Well, good uh, morning, Harborside. Hope you had a great Christmas holiday. Uh, It was a pleasure to spend Tuesday night with a lot of you uh, here just celebrating uh, Christ's birth and uh, just remembering the season that took place uh, 2,000 years ago. And I hope you had a great time with family and friends and are looking forward to a good New Year's. Uh, This is the time of year where I think we, we spend some time uh, just reflecting on where we've come from and kind of where we're going. It's just kind of natural uh, for us to, to take that break. And uh, this morning, uh, we're going to do things a little bit different. I'm actually going to speak uh, now. Kurt is actually here. He'll be out in just a, a little later towards the end of the service. Uh, but I'm going to speak a little bit on really where God has brought us. And we're going to worship a little bit, and then I'm going to come out and speak a little bit about where we're, where we're going. And then we'll end with Kurt leading us in communion. But uh, as I said, this is just kind of one of those natural times in life where uh, we get to the point where it's easy for us to kind of look and take a break, take a step back, and reassess a lot of things in our lives and say, see whether or not we're headed down the right path and we, maybe we want to make some adjustments, set some goals for the new year. And sometimes I think we think this is something that just our culture is kind of put into play. But truthfully, this goes way back uh, thousands of years ago, even before the birth of Christ. Uh, where God instituted many thousands of years ago specific days that were intentional for the nation of Israel just to take a time out, just to take a break from their busy, hectic schedules and to kind of look back and to reassess what was going on so that they could go forward a little better, so that they could remember where they've come from, to remember what God had did for them so that they could have a stronger faith uh, going forward. And through the Old Testament, we read a lot about these feasts, these feasts that God had instituted. And then we get into the New Testament, and the Apostle Paul kind of alludes to these feasts uh, in his writing. And one specifically comes from the book of Colossians in chapter 2. And the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival such as a feast, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And what Paul, I think, was saying here was that these feasts, these festivals that took place, Passover, things like that, were all a reflection of Christ. They all had a specific purpose, and they all had value. And I think for us today, it's important to realize that there is still value for us to take a time out, to reflect really where God has brought us, and to look forward into the future. Now, these feasts that were taking place during the old times uh, were very much a broad spectrum so that as the people were engaged in these specific feasts, they would get a pretty good understanding of who God was, of where God had brought them, and where they were going. There were seven feasts that were part of the nation of Israel back then, and I have them listed up for you. Uh, First one is Passover. We're very familiar, for the most part, probably uh, more familiar with this one than any other, the Feast of Passover. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Unleavened bread was just a feast that showed the holiness of the nation of Israel. First fruits was to celebrate the fertility of the land. Uh, Pentecost was uh, more or less, we get a lot more of that in the New Testament because we remember the day of Pentecost where 3,000 people came to Christ and the church was born. Uh, The Feast of Trumpets really has a lot to do with the second coming of Christ, the rapture of the church. Uh, Atonement was a feast to remember and to just confess our sins, to atone uh, for sins. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, we'll talk a little bit about that one a little later as well. 
But through these feasts, they were designed to give, again, a pretty good understanding throughout the year of who God was. People were never far removed from understanding God in their lives. So I want to look at a couple of these feasts that we can extract some understanding from them to help us as we, in turn, reflect on where we are and where we're going. And one of the feasts I want to talk about is this Feast of Passover, the first one. This took place in the spring. And again, this is probably one that many of you are familiar with. It had its start way back in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. And the way the, 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 the feast came to be is that it commemorates the Passover that the nation of Israel was involved in. Way back then, the nation of Israel began through Jacob and his son, uh, Jacob and Isaac and, and Esau. And, and so as, I, as, as Isaac began this nation, Jacob, and uh, the, the nation just grew. And God formed this nation of Israel. But then eventually, this nation got held captive by the nation of Egypt. And for 400 years, God's chosen people were held captive. They were held captive. They were in bondage. They were slaves. Finally, God decided to rescue his people, to free his people from the bondage of Egypt. So he raised up Moses and Aaron, and he sent them into Egypt to tell Pharaoh it's time to let the people go. So they went in, and Pharaoh wasn't too keen on the idea. So God brought these 10 plagues to Egypt so that eventually Pharaoh would let him go. And you remember some of these plagues like frogs, gnats, darkness, a lot of these weird things that, that took place. Well, the last plague that took place was the killing of the firstborn. And in order for the Israelites to be safe from this plague, what they had to do was go out and sacrifice a spotless lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorposts. So when the death angel came over, he would pass over those houses that were marked by the blood on the doorpost. And so as the nation of Israel progressed... Each year in the springtime, they would have a feast that would commemorate the way God had provided freedom from bondage for them. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus was even part of this feast. And we talk a lot about Passover during Easter because those two events kind of coincided. Jesus was partaking in the Passover feast when a lot of the events of the crucifixion took place. So, the, so the, the Passover feast, again, was a reminder for people. Every year they knew they were going to take a time out and they were going to remember, they were going to remember very deliberately how God had delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. It's all about freedom. It's all about the freedom that God provided for, for his people. Now, as you think about your, your own life, as we talk about really your, your own journey that you've been on in this past year, I wonder what you could celebrate. What could you celebrate individually when it comes to God in your own life? When you celebrate the past of where God has come through, where he has provided, where he has delivered you, or he ha where he has given you freedom from bondage, maybe in a relationship, maybe it has to do with an abuse, maybe it's something other, it's totally different. Maybe it's financial bondage. But over this past year, I'm sure many of us could look back and we could celebrate individually the way God has delivered us. God has provided a sense of freedom. Now, let me be quick to say, for, for a lot of us, it's easy when things are going good to celebrate, isn't it? I mean, when we look over this past year and if we got a promotion at work, if we lost 20 pounds, 
if we got a raise or if we got a, all these other things, if we got a new car, if we won the lottery, if we, you know, all of these things that are going well. And we could sit back and we say, yeah, 2013 was a banner year. God is good. God is good. I mean, it's easy in that, in that, in that sense to really celebrate the past. Then we put on Facebook our post, God is good, God is good. <laughs> but, you know, it's not quite as easy when things are not as good. But don't miss the fact that when things aren't as good, that's probably when we are in a place to grow the most. When I think of this Passover and the actual Passover, the actual plague, I mean, there was probably no joy going through the nation of Israel that night. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of, oh my goodness, I hope I get this right. Because a lot of the times our growth takes place, not in the peaceful times, but more in the times where we struggle through life, where things quite don't just go as smoothly as we want. But then after a while, we take a step back and we look and we say, oh my goodness, God did come through and I can celebrate that growth. It's kind of like uh, this, I heard a new twist, some of you may have heard it, on this, on this old poem, Footprints. I'm sure many of you heard it. It's, it's this guy, he has this dream about his life flashing before his eyes, and he kind of equates it to him and God walking on the beach. And there's two sets of footprints, him and God walking side by side. And then all of a sudden, in the tough times of his life, he looks and there's only one set of footprints. So he says to God, he says, God, what happened? This was my toughest time in life, and it looks like you abandoned me. And God says, oh, no, I didn't abandon you. What happened was I carried you through those tough times. And, you know, we go, ooh, that's, that's pretty. But there's another part of this that I, that I like. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's another part of this story. The guy continues on, and he says to God, but God, what is, that, what is that real mess over there where there's a bunch of holes and pivots and the sand's all crazy all over? And then what's this long line? And God says, well, the the crazy mess over there is where I took you kicking and screaming and the long line is where I was dragging you. (laughs) Because a lot of times it's not in the peaceful moments that God teaches us. It's when we're kicking and screaming, when we don't quite understand what's going on and God has to drag us along. But we look back and we say, oh, that is where we grew the most. So my encouragement as you look back over this past year in a way individually, is don't miss the struggles. Don't miss what God can do for you in the struggles. Don't miss the freedom that he provides within the struggles, the freedom of bondage. But not only individually, but also collectively as a church. What do we have to celebrate as a church? Because truthfully, the church is made up of individuals. Well, collectively, We've had a great year when you look at just measurements, as we look at, at just things that we would measure, whether it be resources, whether it be attendance, whether it be uh, people in our connect groups, different things like that. And truthfully speaking, this has been just a phenomenal year to look at how many people have joined us, how many people have been baptized, how many people are in connect groups, uh, the, the, the provision that God has provided through our, our tithes and offerings with resources to be able to minister. I mean, in in those respects, God has really blessed us. But don't miss this, though. All of that stuff, all of those numbers are great. But what is greater is what they really represent. Because what those numbers really represent are lives of men, women, and children 
that God loves so much that he gave his son for. So when we talk about baptisms, it's not just that we had over 200 baptisms. It's that we get to celebrate the new creations, over 200 men, women, children who have given their lives to Christ. When we talk about thousands of people who are coming here on a Sunday now or a thousand people in connect groups, it's not just about a number. It's about realizing that this is the amount of people. It's a representation of the men, the women, and the children whose lives are changed. And for us, that's a celebration. That's what we look back and we say, how God is blessing us to be able to do one of the most difficult tasks to change people's lives. And we celebrate when relationships are restored or finances are fixed or spiritual journeys which have been, seem to be in neutral for so long are finally put in drive and they're moving forward. It's exciting to us and we celebrate that over and over. And, and to be honest with you, we do it on a weekly basis here on staff. Every Tuesday we get, to get, we get together and we talk about where God is at work. And it's not about numbers, it's about lives that have been changed about people's spiritual journeys that have been forever marked by God coming in and showing up. And that is what we celebrate. But even to dig it a little bit deeper, to go a little bit more, it's the stories that you hear. It's not just uh, kind of random things that are happening, not just generic things that are happening, but when we start to listen in and start to hear the individuals, the people talk about things that are taking place in their lives where they'll be forever different. It's just phenomenal. It's hearing someone come back from a mission trip or someone who's been dealing with, it, with a person that they just can't seem to break through or whatever else it is. And just to be honest with you, and I'm not, being, try, I'm not trying to be funny here, but do you know where you can hear the best stories? If you want to hear them, go to Starbucks with Kurt. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We have, we have a lot of meetings at Starbucks because Kurt likes us to get out in the community, which is a great thing. I don't, I don't even like Starbucks, but I spend so much time there. <laughs> so we go to Starbucks, and I'm not kidding. We'll sit there talking about different stuff, talking about issues or, or just having a, a meeting. And I, I'm, I'm not kidding here. I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm a pastor. I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, we, we have every time, I'm not kidding, three, four, sometimes five people that will come up to us. Usually they come to Kurt, not to me. But they'll come up to us and they'll just start sharing about their neighbor, about their son, their daughter, their parents, their husband, their wife, their coworker, or sometimes it's even about their own intimate spiritual journey. And we just step back and it's a celebration like, hey, this church is making a huge difference, a huge difference. And so just like Passover, when the people took a time out and they said, this is where God brought us from. He rescued us from bondage. We step back, and I hope you step back during this time of the year and just say, hey, God, this is amazing what you've done for us. Whether you've been baptized, whether you've been set free, or however it's, it's gone. Don't miss the celebration of the past. We're going to take up our offering in just a few moments, and then um, we're going to worship a little. And I want to encourage you that as we worship, that you do focus your heart, you do focus your mind on this past year. Maybe you can't see it right now, but maybe you ask God to open up your heart, open up your mind to where he has brought you, what he has done, and worship him and celebrate him for what he's done. One of the cool things about 
about the way this service worked out. We didn't plan it like this. This happened in our 9.30, but it's also happening at our 11 o'clock service too, is that we get to celebrate in a baptism. And uh, as I pray for the offering here in just a moment, we're going to turn our attention over and uh, witness a baptism, which again, again, is what we celebrate, a life change. Let me pray for our offering, then we'll worship a little bit, then I'll come out in just a few minutes. So would you pray with me? Father, again, we uh, just want to thank you so much for the blessings you give us. And sometimes they're a little hard to see. Sometimes we get lost in our own, um, our own expectations, maybe our own thoughts about the way life should be. But help us always to come back to realize that you have provided for us a freedom from bondage. Just like you've provided a freedom for the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. You have provided for us in ways that are just extraordinary. So thank you for that. May we never forget it. Bless this offering and uh, may we just use it again to further this mission in your son's name. Amen. So now that you celebrate where you've been, it's time to look where you go. Passover, the beginning of the year, kind of uh, towards the spring, gives you a lot of sense of where God has brought you from, from the bondage of Egypt. Where is he taking you now? Uh, These seven feasts that we talked about before, uh, we talked already about Passover, the next uh, couple ones, and then there's there's a, there they are, Uh, the last one there is Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is a very interesting feast. There's a lot of stuff that goes along with it. But the Feast of Tabernacles, or you may heard, you may, may hear it as described as the Feast of Booths, also got its start way back in the book of Exodus. After Passover took place and the people were freed from Egypt, they were sent to the Promised Land. The only problem was that they took a 40-year detour through the wilderness. And during that time, uh, you know, two million people wandering around during, through the wilderness, somebody had to provide for them, somebody had to care for them, and it was God. So after they got to the promised land, they instituted this feast of tabernacles or feast of booths, which remembered or commemorated the fact that God cared for them, God provided for them, God was their provision. And so as this feast grew, what they would do is they would actually build different booths and they would actually live in the booths for a period of time. Again, to remember the way God would always provide, he would always care, and he would always sustain. Now, as the years went on, when we get to the New Testament, again, this is a feast that Jesus was very involved in as well in the Jewish culture. And one of the things that the Jewish people did around Jesus' time was that they would take Uh, torches during this Feast of Tabernacles. And they would go to the temple and they'd light these different candles around the temple that would illuminate the temple. It would create a a sense of really uh, a bright spot in a dark, otherwise dark uh, area of the city. And what they would do is they would refer to that as the coming Messiah who would light up or remove the darkness. A priest also during that time would go down to the Pool of Shalom and he would take a, a, a... a, a cup of water or some water in a, in, a, in a basin. And he would take it back to the altar inside of the temple next to the, next to the altar and put it in this silver uh, basin. And he would pour it in. 
And what that would do is it would kind of allow them to remember the fact that God had provided resources or God had provided the rain, the water to sustain them. But also what it would do is it would allow them to pray to God so he would continue to provide for them. So he would continue to send the rain down for them, which would allow the crops to grow, which would allow them to be sustained much like he did in the wilderness thousands of years ago. Now, when Jesus saw these two things happening, Jesus looked at the temple lights that were all lit up. And he said to the people who were there, he said, listen, he says, I really, I am the light of the world. And if you come to me, I will be the one that will expel all darkness and you will live in light with me. He looked at the basin of water that was there and he said, any of you thirsty, any of you looking for something that will sustain you, I am the living water. I am the one in which if you come to me, you will flow, you will freely flow through me. And in John chapter 7 and John chapter 8, where Jesus was commemorating through the Feast of Tabernacles, he takes this feast and he gives it even a stronger meaning by saying to the people, listen, this isn't just about what took place thousands of years ago. This is about the fact that I can provide for you a life in which I can expel the darkness and you can live in light. I can also provide for you living water so you will never thirst again. Now for the people, this is something that not only them, but all of us long for. To live a life where God is promising for us not just where we've been, but also hope that he will continue to provide for us, that he will continue to sustain us, that he will continue to care for us. I mean, who doesn't want going into the future to know that God, our Father, is behind us, promising us that we will live in light and that we will always have living water? It's almost a sense of refreshment, almost a sense of hope that he's giving to us. Where Passover focused on the freedom from bondage, this now is focusing on the hope for the future. And you can even study a little bit more with this Feast of Tabernacles to even get a broader sense of the future that God is promising. But all the while you have this dual thing with the people that are going through the year where they're starting off with Passover, remembering where God has brought them from, ending up in the Feast of Tabernacles, where God is promising provision for the future. So in anticipating the future, knowing that in that context with that backdrop, what does that say to us? Where are we going? What are you looking for? What are we looking for this next year? Well, corporately, as a church, anticipating the the, the future together as a church, I mean, we have a lot of things we want to do. I mean, there's a lot of specific goals, a lot of specific things that we long for. But the bottom line is that we want to continue being more and more effective in our mission, which we feel is almost like a holy burden of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. For us, those are just not words that sound religious, which we put on a plaque. But that is what drives us to create different environments, to create different opportunities so that every last one of you and every last one of us can grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is regardless of whether or not this is your first time you've stepped in church and you're like, what kind of music is this? 
or whether you've been in church work so or church so long that you could quote what I'm saying and you've heard it all before. Our goal, our desire, our passion, our burden, our responsibility is to help you grow and fall more in love with Jesus this next year. We look at our values that, that kind of allow us to do some of this. Our values of the fact that we believe that the Bible is the authority of, of our lives. That we don't center around anything else but God's word. We also believe that worship is a way of life, that worship isn't just about what happens here on a Sunday morning, but it's about a lifestyle, that we are continually, continually growing in our relationship and our spiritual journeys, that all of our environments are filled with excellence so that the only stumbling block for people is not about where they can't see or they can't hear, but it's about the cross of Jesus Christ. And we also believe and we also value outreach that is promoted both locally and globally. And we feel that this is God's blueprint, God's DNA for this church, that we are given this incredible passion to be ever more improving in those areas. Well, to dig a little deeper, this year you're going to hear a lot about becoming more healthy. And this isn't just about physical health, this is about spiritual health. This is about the health of a church how we together can become more of a healthy church in terms of our finances, our relationships, the way we operate at work, the way we operate in our own spiritual journeys, to allow us to move forward, to allow us to just be living in a way that God designed us to live, but also some physical areas as well. In fact, I'll give you a little sneak preview, and Kurt will probably mention this a little later. But next week, we are starting, Kurt is going to start us leading, leading us in a 21-day fast. Yeah, I said 21-day fast. That means you better eat all your candy canes this week. <laughs> but again, the idea is not just about a physical health. It's about spurring us on to greater depth spiritually. And so as a congregation... We want our ministries to thrive. We want our ministries to get better. We are always looking at ways we can improve, whether it's Surfside Kids, whether it's Student Motion, whether it's Surge, our singles ministry, our adult ministries, our connect groups, our Living Stones, all of our other men's ministry, women's ministry, Mops, Moms Next, all of them. Sports ministry, you name it. The desire is to improve, to better effectively get back to our mission to help all of us all of us together grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But you can't do this collectively without us doing things individually. We can't just have a great church that's growing and healthy and all of its people that make it up are kind of like, ah, well, that's good for the other person, but not for me. Because we are only as good as our collective uh, spirituality, so to speak. And for our church to be a success, and when I say success, I don't mean in a worldly term. I mean in an effective term with regards to our mission. The only way for us to be a success is for us as members, as attendees, as part of this congregation to step up and take our responsibility in being a part of this church that brings a person who is ready and willing to play a part in this body of Christ. Now, again, I am sure, I am sure that going into 2014, whether you think it intentionally or not, you've got some plans. Maybe you want to increase your income. Maybe you want to decrease your outflow. Maybe you want to lose a few LBs. 
I mean, maybe there's just things you want to do at work. Maybe you want to work better on relationships. Maybe, uh, there's, maybe you want to make a purchase. Maybe you want to travel somewhere. Maybe you want to do all these things. I mean, we all have these things in the back of our mind that we want to do. But let me encourage you and let me challenge you to not neglect the spiritual side of your life and of your life's journey. Do not neglect the fact that spiritually speaking, there is an intentionality that has to do with your growth, with your moving down this, down this continuum, with you becoming more of a follower, a stronger follower of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me explain it a little bit. For those of you this year who have been baptized, this is going to be an incredible year for you, spiritually speaking. My take on it, my belief that is if you do the normal things which people do when it comes to church, is you're going to grow exponentially. If you show up on Sunday and listen to God's word being preached, if you engage in some worship, if you take on a serving opportunity, if you get involved in a connect group, do these kind of things, I pretty much can guarantee you're going to be blown away by how God is going to show up in your life. Because what is going to happen is it's going to be exponentially. You have such a, 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 a strong appetite, such a strong desire. You're going to be like a sponge just soaking this all up. But then there's the rest of you. The rest of you who have been around here for a while. You know, you can check back in decades and you still have sermon notes in your, in your Bible from 1994. For you, it's going to be a little bit different. And this, I think, is where we get a little lost because we think God is the one who just does all the work. My encouragement to you, my challenge to you, is don't allow yourself to be lulled into this idea that because you're just going through the motions, that's going to stretch you spiritually and you are going to experience some incredible things this year in your relationship with God. Because what I find for me is if I just go through the motions, if I just do what I'm supposed to do, I'm at a place now where I need God to stretch me a little bit more. Some of you are sitting out here and you've been in this for so long, you know all the right words to say. You know these feasts better than I know and afterwards you're going to correct me on some of them. I mean, some of you sitting out there, you have got it down up here. And what I am encouraging you to do in 2014, as you look ahead, is not to just lull yourself into a place where you think you're in a spot where you can just go through the motions. Because my guess is that God is calling you to something greater than that. And whatever it is you need to do to stretch your faith, I would encourage you to do it. We're planning more mission trips this year than we have ever before, all with the intent of giving people opportunity to stretch their faith. In March, we're going to do a church-wide emphasis that encourages all of us, every last one of us, to get out of our comfort zone to stretch our faith. Whether it's leading a group, maybe some of you need to be more involved in worship or better connected, or you need to start contributing a little bit more but whatever it is, some of you are being lulled into a place where you think this is all it is. And friends, it's not. It's not. And whatever you need to do, let me encourage you to stretch it a little further. 
Because what happens is when you stretch it a little further and when you put yourself in a place where only God can sustain you, then what you're going to realize is what the people realized when they sat down to that Feast of Tabernacle. They remembered that God was the only one who could provide for them. God was the only one that could sustain them and God was the only one that could care for them. And I love it when I see people who stretch themselves who aren't satisfied with just going through the motions, but they stretch themselves, they put themselves in a position where they allow God to show up and they're forever, forever changed. So no matter what you have to do, do it. Don't get to the end of 2014 when I'm up here yapping and talking about how great 2014 was and you're looking back and saying, well, it was all right, you know, it was good, good. I like the music on Christmas Eve. I mean, is there not more? Is there not more for all of us individually that can become collectively an incredible church? Imagine what would happen if all of us, every last one of us, took on the challenge, the responsibility of asking God where he wants to stretch us. Imagine what that would do in our community. Friends, don't let this year go by without anticipating and without testing God in that way. He lit the light and he said, I am the light of the world. I'll expel all the darkness. He said, you want refreshment? You thirsty? Come to me. I'm the living water and it'll flow through you. Trust him in this. Expand your faith this year. Don't get caught in just being lulled into a religion. I want to kind of bring this back full circle, come back to the book of Colossians, because Paul really sums this up quite well. Again, he says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or Sabbath day. And here's the powerful part. These are a shadow of things, of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. All of this stuff, Passover, freedom, the tabernacles, hope, all of it, all of it for us is in the person of Christ. And I want to encourage you this next year, as you look over your year, as you reflect maybe on this past year, the center of it all, the reality of it all, the focus of it all, the central core part of all of it, all of it, all of it, is and forever will be the person of Jesus Christ. He was the reason, and he is the reason for our freedom, and he is our hope that we count on. Don't leave him out this next year. Anticipate what he can do. Ethan's going to sing a song for us. You can stay seated for the song. It's going to kind of get our minds and hearts ready for a time of communion. And again, as we did before, where you reflected on where God has brought you through or brought you from, I would encourage you during this time of just worship and this time of communion that just to spend some time maybe asking God, saying, God, what is it? What do you want me to do this year? Where do you want me to stretch? Where do you want to increase my faith? Let me pray for us. Father, again, thank you for uh, just you being in our lives, for the incredible presence you are. May you not just be something that is uh, just words to us, something that's trite to us, something that we uh, just bring up every so often, but may you show yourself real in each and every one of our lives this next year. 
Thank you for what you are going to do individually and as a church. And we thank you in advance in your son's name. Amen.